0: Welcome to Badass Coaching, a podcast of the Astro Coach Alliance. The host of this episode is a truly badass coach, Seth Bate, discussing with the panel Coaching and Accountability.
1: Welcome to Badass Coaching. My name is Seth. I'm one of the badass coaches who are part of the Ad Astra Coach Alliance, and uh, I want to talk for just a moment about something in my life that I was a little embarrassed at. My spouse and I caught up on, if I'm being honest, several years of filing this last week, and uh, several of the papers that I filed had to do with a church committee that I was on that met for several years with the intention of revising a significant document. And I found several revisions of that document, which to my knowledge has never been completed. And that was one of the things that reminded me that despite my best intentions, my accountability and follow through is not always what I'd like it to be. And so I'm hoping to learn a little bit about this challenge and also think through it from the perspective of somebody who does supervision and management and from the perspective of other fellow professional coaches. And I'm having this conversation today with my fellow badass coaches, Teresa Schwab, Andy Huckaba, and Joyce McEwen Crane. We can start with anybody, but as we're beginning to think about coaching for accountability, as coaches, what do we all mean by accountability?
2: Yes, Seth, when I think of that word, I think of following through with what I said I would do. When I move that into the coaching world, it's not just a follow through with what I said I would do, it's a follow through with some learning about what I said I would do. But there's some sort of follow-up.
3: I I think that makes a lot of sense. And I was thinking, you know, from a management or a supervisor position or role, how many times people come into your office and make a commitment to do something and you're curious why they don't follow through or you get frustrated why they don't follow through when in fact we may not have explored the right problem in the first place to help people support the accountability. We'll probably dig into that a little bit more as we talk, but I, but I think from a supervisory and a management role, helping people follow through and actually do the things that they commit to, even when those things are hard, is really important for organizations.
1: And an assumption that I would make is that most of the time, the commitments we make are sincere commitments. I I don't think I was spending all that time on the committee pretending I was going to do something. (laughs) I I say that out loud and and I don't know, maybe I was, but um, I I think I was saying that I was going to do things that I had an intention to do without really rehearsing what might make them difficult or what might get in the way. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Andy, what else were you saying?
0: Well, I was thinking about accountability when it comes to coaches and clients of coaches but but oftentimes the accountability lies within the person that's making the commitment yet many people feel like they're they they're not going to make it a priority unless somebody else holds them accountable to it and so I think there's automatic tension in there in terms of how accountability shows up. Can I keep myself accountable to something or am I, do I easily slough off or shove it on the back burner because nobody else is watching. And oftentimes both in a coaching and a management type of situation, that idea of accountability and somebody else holding you accountable for something is a, uh, Sometimes the only way things get done, and something that might be really interesting to explore in our discussion today, is how can we help people hold themselves more accountable to the commitments that they make?
2: I think that distinction is is pretty important when it comes to coaching, Andy, because as a coach, I don't hold this idea of accountability for my client. I create space for them if they want to be held accountable in our discussion or in the follow-up. But really the accountability is on them for following through with something they said was important or they said they wanted to learn about. And I'll create space so we can talk about what they're learning or what happened and be able to examine that. But um, ultimately I can't hold them accountable I can ask what they did or what they learned.
3: Yeah, Andy, what you said reminds me too that management is much more about a kind of carrots and sticks approach, using authority or using a punishment or creating a deadline. Those things work in the short term. They might be efficient. They might get you a result or not, but they aren't necessarily shifting that into internal accountability. When you're thinking about coaching and using a coaching skill set, even inside an organization as a supervisor or a manager, it's a, it is a process. Coaching in and of itself is a process that helps the person being coached develop that internal accountability. I think that's one of the beautiful things about coaching is that it's, at its heart, it is about giving the work back to the other person and helping them discover Not only what it is they want to accomplish, but why that thing is even important to them and what barrier might be really getting in the way of them doing that thing and then developing their own commitment to it. And that to me is one of the beautiful things about coaching is that it it really does in and of itself develop this sense of internal accountability and shifts away from this idea of punishment or reward to get people to do things that work in the short term
1: it's a nice way to put it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, let's Uh, stay in that space a little longer, Teresa. So we know that some of the people who listen to this podcast are managers or supervisors who are trying to more intentionally use coaching skills and coaching approaches in their work. And I think we'd all agree that serving as the sole accountability holder for your team is unsustainable and it's really stressful. So how do you help your team shift from being accountable to you to being accountable to themselves, to one another, to the purpose?
3: I think it's a really great question. I, you know, when I work with teams and think about that skill set of setting up accountability, it shifts the kinds of conversations that teams need to have, which is to have an explicit conversation about accountability. It isn't, it's as much about creating a compelling vision and having a collective purpose that you can turn to when things get hard, but it's also how are we going to hold each other accountable as a team, not just the individuals on the team. And, and the individual accountability, but the accountability to the team itself and to the team being successful. So in some ways it's about shifting the conversations that you have at the team level away from, well, I think a lot of times people just avoid, we don't talk about it. It's not this explicit conversation. It, it I make a commitment something to something I don't follow through and then nobody holds me accountable to it. They just let me, get off the hook, and then we suddenly just teach ourselves among the team that that's how we react to not following through with something. I I guess my advice would be, if I were stepping into advice giving, would be around an explicit conversation and asking yourselves and the team members, how will we hold each other accountable?
0: I think there are three things that, and this is occurring to me kind of in real time as we're talking. That there is an accountability to a deadline. We've all experienced that in our lives, right? In school, everybody waited till midnight the night before a final before they actually started cramming for that final and ultimately didn't remember anything. I'm not speaking from experience, of course. <laughs> and then there, there is an accountability to the team or or a group of people because you don't want to let them down because you're part of them and you don't want to let them down. And then there's the accountability to yourself. And the accountability to yourself might be, well, I don't want to look bad. Or a healthier way to look at it would be, I'm going to be accountable to myself to make progress here so I can grow, so I can get better, so I can make a bigger difference. And so those three kind of fall out for me as three different ways accountability might show up, and there might be more out there. But what's interesting is getting somebody to have that shift in their personality, in their, the way they do things where they're looking at that third one and saying, how can I get better? How can I remove the barriers that might be there? Remove the blinders, remove the obstacles for myself to continue to move. And maybe that type of thing is enough accountability to to get a person moving in the right direction.
2: That was making me think, Andy, about a mindset around accountability. I think people, some people look at accountability as a black and white thing. It either happened, something happened or it didn't happen. That I think could lead to finger pointing or blame. And I think teams that have a mindset around accountability as measures of a process toward progress are more likely to accomplish the things that they set out to do. Sometimes things will get done well. Sometimes things might not get done very well. But a team that's willing to look at what's happening, what progress are we making, whether it's fast or slow, but we're looking at it as a every step is a step along the way. It's not a did it happen or not just another spin, I guess, on the mindset around
1: accountability. Yeah, and if we can get out of that binary thinking on our teams of either it happened or it didn't, then I think we can also have some potentially uncomfortable conversations. Uh, If we seem to be giving ourselves an excuse, a more badass way to lean into it would be to have a conversation about purpose. So right now, we're all working from home. Everything's hard. It would be easy to say any individual commitments don't matter so much. I think it's more badass to lean into a conversation that says, what still matters to us? And how do we help each other when things are hard so that what we care about is still being fulfilled, even if a particular task may get renegotiated?
3: Sometimes I think people really I sense sometimes people have a negative reaction to the word accountability, that they feel like when they have authority or power within a system or they're a supervisor or manager, the idea of accountability feels like micromanager, or it feels like I have to take on all this responsibility. And and I a word I think that's resonated to have these harder, more difficult, tougher, more badass conversations is another word that sometimes resonates, which is compassionate accountability. You know, and and Brene Brown talks about the idea that clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And you can hold someone accountable. You can create accountability and still do it with compassion. It doesn't have to be something that is harsh or mean and I think sometimes we get those things mixed up and I find sometimes teams or individuals will resonate a little bit more with with that adding compassion to it that you can also hold somebody accountable but do it in a way that is compassionate.
2: So I heard recently someone who was very upset that another team member wasn't getting work done and the the their mindset went to well that person's never held accountable. You know, you can feel that dynamic that teams can get into when accountability isn't held to. And there was some sense about, well, how do you talk to this person about, they're just not getting their job done. And I think there's kind of more of a, I guess, historically managerial way to do that, to go to somebody and say, you're not getting it done. And it becomes more punitive as opposed to having a more compassionate conversation with someone to say, I noticed this isn't happening. What's happening for you? what's getting in the way for you, et cetera. And so I think there's a way to hold people accountable even by bringing it up, but it's in a way of joining where they're at to learn and understand so that you can help support them in making progress on it.
0: So I wonder if the compassionate accountability idea is accountability without judgment attached to it. I just want to throw that out as a possibility, because if you begin to think about if there's judgment or kind of an underlying judgment there in someone holding someone else accountable or a team holding someone accountable, and there's a judgment and people's judgment might go as far as, well, that guy just never does his work or that that person is lazy or whatever. That it's a judgmental idea. And I wonder if there's a good way to strip that judgment away from the accountability type of thing to achieve that compassionate accountability that maybe you're talking about, Teresa. Mm-hmm.
1: Andy, I, I, I know something that as a coaching skill that a manager can use is the coaching skill of naming what is. So here is a fact. The fact is that the last four times you've been responsible for this, it has not happened to the satisfaction of a client. And I think even as a manager, you can name that without attachment, but have that be the beginning of what's potentially a productive conversation. One other thing that I want to mention, I want to hear from Teresa before we move on to the world of professional coaches, but um, I I was meeting with a, a thought partner, Jonathan in California. Jonathan, if you're listening, thank you. And Jonathan talked about for a team, it requires us moving from this sense of who do we blame for this problem to how do we own this problem? And I think that could also be framed around accountability. Who do we blame for something that hasn't happened to how do we together own what needs to happen to fulfill our team's purpose? Teresa, thought from you before we move into coaching nerd stuff?
3: Yeah, that's that's a nice thought Seth. Thank you for offering that. Andy, what actually what I was thinking was yes, wouldn't that be awesome that we could get to a place of no judgment attached? And that's really hard, you know, when you're disappointed in somebody, when your expectations haven't been met, what this reminds me of is that accountability is as much about us and managing ourselves as it is about what we do for other people or how we interact with other people. Because, you know, I was thinking, yes, wouldn't that be great if we could do that without judgment? And, and yet I'm frustrated. <laughs> and if I'm frustrated and I can't get into a place where I can feel the detachment from judgment, then I'm not going to be as effective in getting the result that I want. And then you set up a dynamic that potentially just creates a rift in the relationship or creates tension in the relationship. So accountability is sort of what I'm sort of deriving from this conversation is it's really a two-way street that we've got to figure out how we manage our own frustrations and dashed expectations to be able to have those kinds of conversations that can help people grow and actually overcome the barriers that
0: they're experiencing by the way we judge ourselves too when we're holding ourselves accountable and we and we fall in and we fall apart or we don't accomplish something or don't meet our expectations we have a way of judging ourselves too we beat ourselves up right so it doesn't always come from an external source sometimes it comes from an internal source Mm -hmm. too and how we work on things and deal with things and uh, certainly coachable moments for people.
2: You know, one of the things I think you elevated Teresa without saying it, but it's a piece of what makes accountability hard and that's honesty. Mm-hmm. It's about being able to be honest with each other when we're disappointed in learning how to manage the loss, but also still be su- being supportive of how can we get it done now, you know, or how can we move this forward now? Or what are we learning that tells us we need to shift what we thought we should do? and move in this direction instead. But there has to be honest conversation.
1: Let's have a few minutes to talk as coaches to other coaches, because we know that some of the people who listen to this are people who also do uh, executive coaching and leadership coaching and life coaching. Um, I I went back and checked the PCC marker for uh, accountability. And uh, it says the coach partners with the client to design the best methods of accountability for themselves. Uh, I'd love to hear from all of you. What does it sound like when you do that? And especially when you do that as a badass coach? Joyce, what does it sound like when you do that?
2: Well, one of the simplest ways it sounds like is just asking my client, what have you learned since we talked last time as it relates to your intentions? I'm less concerned about whether they did what they said they would do really well or not, I am more interested in the learning because everything they're doing is a process of learning. So I try to stay focused on that.
1: Andy, what's it sound like when you do that?
0: Well, I think it sounds like, how are you going to hold yourself accountable to this action or to this shift that we're talking about? What would get in your way of doing it? So, so actually trying to peel back the layers of the potential excuses that might be out there and to understand them up front as they begin to own it. And then really asking the question that we ask oftentimes in coaching, how much do you care about this and why do you care about it? Because... Oftentimes things get dropped because they're just not high enough priority. Mm-hmm. You know, there's they're something that would be nice to do, but they're not essential to do in their minds. If they truly wrestle with that question, then commitments out of a coaching session uh, ideally would be things that they really care about, that really matter.
1: And they have to care about it for reasons more than just it's what they decided to talk about that day. Teresa, what's it sound like when you do this?
3: Well, before I offer that, it feels like this all there are several different competencies that go along in this. And the first one is presence. You know, if I'm not present and really listening to my client, when it comes down to accountability, if I'm not paying attention, I could really miss. level of commitment you know people use body language there are there are things they are telling you without telling you if somebody says to me well i think i'm gonna go do this thing well i think doesn't sound too committed right like so you start to challenge so you're to be you have to be present first and really listening for everything that your client says i think that's wrapped up in this idea of holding people or helping them hold themselves accountable The other piece, Andy, I think you articulated is this idea of asking upfront, why is this important to you and why is it urgent now? So they start to build their buy-in and engagement for why this thing is urgent and why they even need to change it. If there's no urgency, there probably is going to be no accountability to follow. So those two things I think are wound up in getting to some good accountability. I oftentimes will use scaling at the end. When I when I get down to commitments, we'll say, okay, it sounds like you've made a commitment. What would this look like for you on a scale of one to 10? Or how committed are you on a scale of one to 10 to this action or to this thing or whatever they've committed to? And you know, if they're a seven or below, they're probably not gonna do it. So I'd probably come back and ask, I don't know, you know, a five doesn't sound too committed, you know, are you really committed or what would it take to move you up to an eight or nine? So we can go back and really, again, sort of build that commitment to the, to the thing that they said they wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I love all your approaches. Uh, One thing that I have sometimes done and only with clients who've said yes, they want to be challenged is. If they are talking about a next step, a challenge they've been living with for a long time, I'll ask them to think about, okay, this, this has been going for two years. We've just had a 45 minute conversation and all of a sudden you're ready to make a big shift. Can we really talk about the momentum of the last two years versus the momentum of this moment and how you're going to stay true to your purpose. Uh, And uh, once in a while, I've also tried to help clients who um, were really committed to something that they were a little afraid of, talk about every moment that might elapse in something they're trying to stay accountable for. And at each of those moments, what are the barriers? What are the fears? But also, what are the supports? Um, It's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation, but it's some of the most badass coaching moments I've been part of have been those where we said, yeah, this, this is the moment where I'm most concerned it would fall apart. And so let's prepare for that moment.
2: You know, we, we're doing all of this work around accountability because we care about our client's success. We care about setting them up for the greatest success possible. And it's just striking me how it's not really to put us in the seat of saying, oh, good job or bad job. It's to help them walk away from an experience with us saying, I, I can do this. So we're helping them get clarity on that.
0: And, and confidence.
2: And confidence, yeah.
1: And often that's what people coming, come in saying they need, or at least they need to work on. I, I love where we've gotten uh, it would be very coach-like of me to ask, how are you going to use this learning moving forward? So I, I guess I'm interested in hearing from each of you, either your answer to that question or anything else that's on your mind today around coaching and accountability.
3: So I'm going to skirt the question about what I'm going to do, but I, I was thinking about um, a really good resource that I've used for accountability I think about through the pandemic, for instance, and being at home a year now, which seems nearly impossible to say out loud, but I was realizing that I was not taking care of myself as well as I wanted to. And I realized for me, external accountability is something I need to create for myself. And I love this book. Um, I recommend it to clients frequently. It's called The Four Tendencies, and it's by Gretchen Rubin. She talks about four different kinds of people and how they best can hold themselves accountable. And I learned through this book that I'm what she calls an obliger. And the obligers need external accountability. So for me, like to take care of myself, for instance, it really looked like for me, I had to create a spreadsheet and I had to say, I wanna drink 64 ounces of water a day. I wanna walk 10,000 steps a day. I want to do, you know, X, Y, Z, and I have to mark them off every single day. So I have like nine months of these spreadsheets that I have crossed off and it works for me because if I don't mark a box, it drives me crazy. Now, my son, my middle son, if I created a chart for him that he had to mark off every single thing he did, he would never do any of them. Even if he wanted to do them, he wouldn't do them because he's not going to check off a box. So I think, learning for yourself what helps hold you accountable is part of this process too as we're learning about what works for me in this process Mm -hmm. so sometimes i think thinking about accountability as a journey is also helpful gives us some grace so we don't like you said andy beat ourselves up so much so anyway i was just Mm -hmm. thinking this as a research or as a resource for people as they're thinking about you know what would work for me as i was trying to hold myself accountable
1: yeah, I'll yeah. look into that. I, I would not be in that category. I'd be in the you're not the box of me
3: category. Yeah, yeah. That, that's where my son would be. Yes. <laughs> I'd be with Teresa's
2: checkoff list. That's, that would fit me very well. In fact, with the, uh, I'm doing some peer coaching with some um, credentialed peers right now. And that's one of the things that's been very, very helpful for me. I know what works for me and that's writing it down and having it on a list in front of me and checking it off when it's done. But it is it is a good reminder that I have many clients that would not work for them at all. And I can't assume that what works for me works for them. So I love the, the ICF uh, marker language of partnering to design the best methods, best methods for accountability for the client. That will help them be successful.
0: Andy, last thoughts from you. Well, so it occurs to me that and I've been thinking about my own coaching that the accountability question is always asked in those coaching sessions, but in reflection on this conversation, and I hope the listeners also get this same kind of impact that the question I ask is a pretty thin question. How are you going to hold yourself accountable or how are you going to be accountable to do this? And then I kind of drop it. And there's a great opportunity there. Like what Teresa said on a scale of one to 10, how committed are you to do this? What would it take to move you up? Uh, like Joyce was saying, and, and, and Teresa, what uh, what works best, What how, how is the best method or what is the best method for you to keep accountable? Or stay accountable to something, and and to partner with your client to to help them figure out it is a journey, Joyce, of figuring that out and figuring out what works for you and what doesn't, and to fit somebody into one side or the other can be a train wreck sometimes, and and cause uh, those problems. Like Teresa was saying with her her middle son, if you gave him the check boxes, nothing to get done. Uh, other people feel like they have to have the check boxes and then other people make list of list of lists and never get anything done because their definition of getting something done is just to make another list we won't go down that rabbit hole here but that's certainly you know one one thing that keeps people from getting things done it keeps them from being accountable so this is a fascinating conversation not only for the work i do in coaching but for for my life and the things that I want to think about. And the challenge to be more dimensional about accountability and what that looks like and how that works and what that partnership could look like to uh, establish that accountability is a real opportunity, I think, for us.
1: Yeah, thanks to all three of you. Uh, And uh, recognizing that we as human beings are complex creatures and so the idea of accountability is more complex than you did it or you didn't, uh, I think is important. It is continually present for me when I'm doing coaching or when I'm trying to use more coaching skills when I get to be in the role of manager or supervisor, that what's countercultural about these conversations is that a coaching conversation starts with a purpose and finishes with an assumption of follow-up, learning, insight, and action. And uh, when we do those things, it's good for us, it's good for our teams, and it's good for the people we coach. I'm sure that there's going to be some pretty music here in a moment, uh, and I'm sure that you can learn more about all of us at at, at, at adastracoachalliance.com.
0: That's the show. Thank you for joining the Ad Astra Coach Alliance podcast, Badass Coaching. If you want to find out more about the Ad Astra Coach Alliance, go to www.adastracoachalliance.com.